everybody, and welcome to the 320 Club podcast. Why is it called the 320 Club? Well, 420 was already taken, and happy hour is happening somewhere else. We're your hosts. Whiskey. And I'm Rox. And today we're going to talk about repatriated terrorists. Dun, dun, dun. So uh, we just wanted to put out an advisory statement by saying uh, up front that uh, what may follow are simply the opinions of Whiskey and Rox. At the end of the day, we support good government, all right? It may not always work out the way that individuals want it to, but the system that we've come out with in the West is perhaps the best one we as human beings have come up with to date. So, with that in mind, this episode is inspired by... When you're trying to get technology to work for you, and it really doesn't exactly at the moment when it needs to work for you, that bothers me. So, systems fail unexpectedly. They do. Well, they bother you. They, they, it's not just unexpectedly. It's at the complete time where they should not be. Ugh, I don't even know how to say that. Most it's, inconvenient lo- It's time. the most inconvenient time to me as the user. Like, for example, when I'm trying to, uh, trying to edit the website or put Facebook posts or technology just conveniently wants to shit the bed on me. So Murphy's Law? Basically, I have a poster in my garage. It's all about Murphy's Law. It's, it's, uh, I'm a big fan. Isn't this a you thing? This is a me thing. So if everything around you fails, it's everything else's fault? Yeah, absolutely. That's how how life works, isn't it? That's how everybody sees it. I'm doing right. Why can't the thing work? The thing that's supposed to work doesn't work. Anyway. So (laughs) let's just just dive right in. So let's start off and say, um, what do we mean when we say repatriated terrorists? Because that, to me, sounds like an oxymoron. Sounds like they're in a box. Sounds like they're in a box. Um, well, best way to put it, it's been breaking news, obviously, for Ontarians. But um, as of May la- this year, uh, the government estimated that about 190 Canadian extremists are currently ac- active in terrorist groups overseas, mostly in Syria and Iraq. Uh, right now... Conservatives have been accusing liberals of greeting returning ISIS members with group hug sessions, and they're saying we're giving them the grand treatment of coming into our country. So you're saying the government's giving out hugs? When do I get my allotment? Yeah, when do I get my hug? Exactly. (laughs) And does that mean I have to, therefore, go and fight a war from an unlawful cause in order to get my hug and come back? Hmm? It's a good question, right? It's not a very serious question. I'm not I'm not actually serious, but this is actually a very serious issue. I should probably not be so crass and cavalier about it. No, I think we should increase levity because some of this is so absurd. We, do, we must continue. Yeah. Okay. So right now, the provincial government uh, wants to strip basic services and what it appears to be a lot of basic human rights for these extremists who have left to go fight in organizations like ISIS and now have a desire to come back into Canada. And the, and the Ontario government wants to strip them of that ability. Well, I think you hit on the head. What is the role of the opposition party? To get elected in and to create absolute hell for the party in power. I would say they're doing a good job. Yeah, I would say they're doing a good job. They're creating a lot of, uh, creating a lot of. I don't know. Is it noise or is it legitimate concern? Would it be contrarianism? Well, yeah, that's the whole point of being in opposition. You have to be contrary. Okay, perfect. So the pre- previous government put all these 
the laws in place, which are now the opposition party, and the opposition party is complaining about what the current sitting government is doing. Did they really? You're saying the conservative government, like the Ontario? No, the federal. Okay, so where does the provincial government sit in on this? The irony is the current uh, provincial government is conservative and the federal program are liberals. Let's back up here for a second because let's just get to the heart of the issue because it is becoming a very hot topic and very controversial. The fact that the opposition right now, they're creating, I don't know if they're creating or if it's a natural creation because I think it's a pretty serious issue if people who are citizens of Canada decide to go and fight with a terrorist organization and then decide to come back. I think that's a pretty serious issue that we shouldn't, I don't think we should be letting those people come in. I like, agree I agree with you, but it's like reading one chapter of a book and then making a judgment on the one chapter. This book is crap because I read chapter one. Please explain. Well, you have to understand where the opposition sits and their role. So their role is always going to be to be contrarian. And if they're trying to highlight the issue, they're going to use very colorful language to do it with the quorum that the the parliament allows. And we're, if we're looking at, because it's a public safety concern, you're going to see a rhetoric around that saying, how are we going to pr- protect our, our children from the snaggletooth who's roaming the prairies up north where no one lives? So well, they're not in the prairies up north. They're in the heart of Toronto right now. But, but you have to understand is that there, there's a rancher up there. He's got Snaggletooth looking after Snaggletooth, make sure he's, he's okay. There's the forest rangers walking through, making sure that the, there's different vaccinations. If he's a known terrorist who's documented, and if you're telling me that there's 190 and their government is reporting approximately 190, that means they're maintaining a list and a database somewhere and they're watching them. Our government has a mandate between RCMP and CSIS to do that work. But the problem is, as soon as you release this information to the media, the terrorists will start changing their tactics. So they, I think what you've done, I, okay, so I think you've taken a couple of extra steps here. You've, take, you've gone on a couple of leaps and bounds. Because right now we're talking about the Ontario government. But what you're, I think what you're getting at is that the federal, it's not even a, a provincial government responsibility. It's not even their mandate. It's a federal mandate. And, and that's what blows my mind when you talk about Uh, The Ontario government starting to strip basic services from an individual who has not been tried in court. That individual is entitled to due process. The burden of proof is on the Crown to prove. So if you start stripping away whomever with the view of uh, trying to curb terrorism, I don't think it's going to work. It's not in the powers of the provincial government to do things like that. I would argue it's against the Constitution and the Human Rights Act. So with all this in mind, to me... This issue is actually designed to cloud other issues that are out there. Okay. Okay. That's, I mean, that's, that's a fair point because it's a political maneuver. Okay. I, I see that. That's fine. However, there's going to be two, there's two discussions that I want to bring up with you. And the first one is if you choose as a Canadian citizen to go and engage in an illegal activity like this, that being terrorism, and go and join a, a group that has been labeled Uh, according to the Canadian government and other governments within the international community, as being a terrorist group, like ISIS, for example, if you go in and engage in activities with those groups, should you maintain status as a Canadian citizen? Well, they've already revoked their passports, if I recall correctly. No, but I'm talking about their Canadian citizenship, because I know the UK does that. They revoke their citizenship. 
And and I agree with that. I mean, there's ways to curb it so you restrict travel, making it harder for them to move. That doesn't. It's not a permanent scarring on your character or. And the, your your restriction your passport doesn't affect your ability to feed your family most of the time. But when you say I'm gonna eliminate the ability for someone to get a driver's license to seek health care. I think you're 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 on the layer of absurdity. Really? You think it's absurd when they actively took part in we're talking theoretically here, but say a person takes part in the killing and execution of innocent people in a combat zone. Um those people those people deserve healthcare? Like we they deserve basic human treatment when they couldn't even afford to give it to somebody else? Oh, I totally but you, we still provide healthcare to Inmates. We still provide health care to them when they leave the prison system. Uh, Paul Bernardo. Uh, I can't remember. Russell Williams. All these serial killers. Well, guess I what? I don't know about that. Well, guess like, what? We still. Yes, I know that we do. We still provide. So why it's different? <sighs> and then because second part. Let's 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 just say, let's say we can prove he's guilty, and he's incarcerated. Loses specific sets of freedoms, like the freedom of to be able to move around. But that's what incarceration is supposed to do. Inside incarceration, you're getting the treatment plan, uh, treatment programs and the re-education programs you need. You're assuming that it's based on some sort of mel- mental illness? No, I'm, I'm saying that it's only, mental illness could be a part of it. Re-education could be a, a part of it as well. I don't know. These these Given the, the state of our population... That's weak. That's rocks weak. No, it's not. It's not weak, man. That's totally weak. It's not weak. It's not weak to say when I say it's not weak to say if you it's like if you go and pull this kind of shit and I'm not even going to defend. Honestly, I wouldn't defend how we approach Paul Bernardo or Russell Williams or any of those guys like you fucking show complete disregard for human life. Thanks for coming out. You don't get to continue. You do not get to pass go fucking buy like just exile you from the country if we're not willing to kill you ourselves well yeah you, 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 there's other sides of this there's war car, war tribunals there's other panels and mechanisms for them to do persecution they may return to canada they haven't escaped the the extent of what justice can bring they haven't so you just say well they're here in canada they're doing their thing yeah well you're innocent until proven guilty is a fundamental thing of our legal system. Yeah. So you're telling me that we are now going to strip people citizen rights randomly without uh, a proper hearing? There's something no, no, fundamental. This, no, no, no. Oh, no let, let's go back to McCarthyism and okay. the witch trials. Like, where's the line? Someone steals my, my, my likeness and starts posting online and I become automatically a target. Wow, this is sounds like a little venue for cybercrime. Because all I have to do now is just post stuff with your picture on it to pretend you're jihadi jack, and away you go, you lose all your rights. Or all you lose, a lot of civ- civilic rights. Well, then this opens up the second part of the discussion that I wanted to bring up with you, is that when these guys do come back, it's very difficult to charge them with a crime because, the because as you said, the burden of proof is on the Crown to prove that that individual is guilty. And if... if if it's very difficult, and and I know this because I actually did a little bit of research this time, understanding that Canada's strategy for managing the return of foreign fighters, there's a lot of hurdles that police services and uh, CSIS, uh, all these different security and information groups, they're, they're encountering a lot of difficulties in laying charges on these guys because they can't get enough evidence. 
that's that's actually i think that's i think i saw that on global news so if the evidence is so much harder to get and yet these guys went into a country where they knew that there was a destabilized country going on that there was all kinds of shit happening that there was a likelihood if and if you say what you say is that these you know there's at least 190 of them over there um that we're monitoring and we're tracking those people how is it so difficult to lay charges on these guys and provide the amount of evidence needed well that's the main thing it's beyond, 190 beyond, people yeah beyond a reasonable doubt i mean that's the basis of our system because if we take look at the consequences you're complaining about these 190 yes i'm not condoning anything they did but once you start eroding our legal system our ability to live without persecution and it's the burden of the burden of uh, proof is on the crown, and the requirement for incarceration is beyond reasonable doubt. Then they win essentially. The concept of eroding the Western ideologies, they win because they've done it. Then, because we, in order for us to start persecuting them, we give up something that is Canadian. So I just want to bring up a quote from the Minister of Public Safety because I was uh, looking into this a little bit, and I I can't remember exactly when this was. It looks like it may have been in. Uh, back, back in May as well. But uh, this is the Honorable Ralph Goodale, and I quote, There is absolutely no special treatment. The security and police agencies are pursuing these individuals. They use surveillance and investigations. They use criminal charges and prosecutions, peace bonds, criminal code listings, no-fly listings. They hold passports. There's threat reduction me measures under the CSIS Act uh, where that is appropriate. Our police and security agencies work very closely with our allies in the Five Eyes, the G7, CSIS, and the RCMP. The CBSA make the best professional judgments about how to deal with these people and keep Canadians safe. Discussing operational matters on the floor of the House of Commons is exactly the opposite of keeping Canadians safe. Um, CSIS, the RCMP, and all the related security and police agencies of this country are doing their job and taking all the steps necessary to ensure that justice is enforced. So I took that quote because it's all well and good. He's an appointed member of the cabinet. It's all well and good for him to say, look, it's being handled by professionals. We've got top people working on this, on this issue. To me, that's not good enough. I need more transparency. And I don't need to know like specific details of guy one and guy two and girl three and all that kind of stuff for people coming in and out of the country um, and engaging in the, these activities. But I do need to have, I need a surety that what they're actually doing is successful because what we're seeing is attacks that are happening around the world of guys who are still, who are in in these countries running over people with buses or they're engaging in further criminal activities that endanger the safety of citizens innocent till proven guilty what i would like to put up here is if we told the criminals and the public what actions they were taking would it be in the best interest of the criminals to change their patterns i.e making them harder to trap making them harder to trap prosecute so by Having all the all the facts on the parliamentary floor would uh, enable them to be accessed by the very same people you're trying to... I'm not... What I said, let's go back over what I said. I'm not looking for specific details. And that includes, if they're going to tell me the process and that's a, a, and that's a security risk that alerts terrorists, 
to how we do business. No, I'm not for that. That's what he said in his statement, and you read it out loud. I know, I know. I'm not. What I'm saying is, I'm not for them releasing um, the pre the procedures and how they get it. But what I want to see is results. So if it shows up in the news that Jihadi Jack has been arrested, tried, and put in prison for 15 life sentences because of the fucking treacherous bastard that he is, I'm happy with that. And I have no doubt that's going to be dropping across the screen when it happens. So what- And who's going to say it? It's going to be the government in power claiming about how well they did it, right? Whether it's liberal, conservative, or not, it's all bullshit. It'll probably be first reported by the RCMP or whoever does the arrest. Yeah, that's the news that goes unnoticed, unfortunately. No, it doesn't. Yeah, a lot no, of the time doesn't. it does. you got to read more local news. Usually what happens is the, no- the news that gets publicized is the negative shit perpetuated by the opposition. Yes. And it doesn't matter may- whether it's liberal or conservative or NDP or any of them. They'll all pull the same shit. That's the beauty of being the opposition party. You can say pretty well whatever you want. Um, really, I, I want to also maybe talk about a story. So, a couple of stories. So, we mentioned no-fly lists. They're a tool. But what we learned from the no-fly lists, many instances, that it doesn't work perfectly. Some people have the same names. So, if you are if you make the, the no-fly list... You mean list, like Mohammed, which is like every third kid? Or every second kid. Yes, if you follow, if you follow the teachings of Muhammad, yes. Really, what I want to get get into is is that fly no fly list is a tool, and if we use the same techniques to get people on the no fly list as we do stripping them of the rights, we're gonna have some problems. So there were several kids where children were flagged as no no flyers because their name was the same as someone that was on the no fly list. So now you're going to strip the rights of the children? You know how much bureaucracy it is to actually change or fix all that stuff? It's a nightmare. How so, so? My wife one time, the CRA changed her name. It was a mistake in the system. I don't know how that happened, but it changed her her last name to something that wasn't mine and it wasn't hers. It was sort of like a mix of the two. Hmm. It was like someone wasn't paying attention when they were typing. Anyways, it took her eight months to sort all that out. Okay. Now you want a provincial system that starts stripping rights from people? How would they fix it out if they made a mistake? And then so what's now the criteria we're, for how they choose who gets their rights stripped and all that shit too. Yeah, I but no, we I but we already that. have a system that does that. Well, yeah, I know. I the, the we've judicial already, system. I know we've already established that that stuff like that is a is a federal mandate, and I know that. Um, you know that's it's something that the I don't know how, why it's why it's even come about. How about how about instead of uh, revolting, saying, "Okay, we don't, or we we don't want this particular effect. We don't want these type of people on our streets because they have a, a documented history of this type of behavior." Perfect. We got it in law. It's, it's already there. How will we fund our, the ministries a bit better so they can do the proper due process that every member of Canadians are are entitled to? So when the paperwork and the product they deliver us on the end is properly done. If we say the police say we don't have enough resources to, to track everybody, well, let's give them the resources to track everybody. Let's not try and do random initiatives that infringe on the rights of Canadians. So you're you're what you're saying is we instead of 
just arbitrarily stripping rights off of people, we should start empowering our security services a little bit more. Correct. To now, do well, things according to the process that we already have outlined. Okay. Now, don't you run into a greater uh, issue? Like, let's take, for example, what's happening in the States um, where, you know, rights and freedoms are be- being given up freely for the illusion of security because funding has been given to groups like the NSA, which is openly spying on their own people. Isn't there, but isn't there a risk associated with giving more funding to these, to these, uh, to these organization? Well, they're, they're, is that, is they're that crown a- controlled. So if you, okay, they have to do it. So anything like, like something like that has to be signed off by a minister, especially in Canada. These processes are signed off by the public's representative. Okay. So it is, therefore, the people that are doing it to themselves. So the risk, but there is a risk. There is a risk that they could overstep their bounds and they could end up using that as a tool. I mean, look at look, look at what the Patriot Act did for the U.S. I know we don't exactly have the same thing and it's not the same structure that we have here in Canada, but could you not have a, a risk associated with that? Well, there's. I would say that there is risk. But I mean, it's it's like any toy. You, you but it's you, a mitigated risk. It, I would say mitigated because we we have some other things that we don't. We have the Privacy Act in okay. Canada. Okay. And that hamstrings what they're willing to do. So if they're going to tap your lines to start tracing you, they need it needs to be certified by a judge. They can't just randomly take stuff. Okay. So and they can't just randomly start tapping into microphones and using cell phones as a as a means to record your conversations or anything like they that. They have to it has to be approved by a judge. Okay. And if we found out that they were doing that, you got a legal case against the crown. Okay. And we we have to learn from history here. If the government of Canada doesn't uh, afford the consideration of an individual's rights in their decision, there's hell to pay. Really? And the reason why they didn't So Omar that's why Ar- this whole thing. Well, I I get the Omar Kadir bit. Okay, and I that, know you're going to bring that up and because it was all over the legislature. We paid ten and a half million dollars to a terrorist. Yeah, yeah. So no, he the, was 15 years old. Okay, yeah, I and, get that. And that let, me finish, let me finish. Let me finish. I listened to your rant. I'm going to shove this one down your yeah. throat. No, 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 no. <laughs> I I actually agree with you on this one because I already have a previously formed opinion on this. First of all, there was under child soldier shit. Like he was a child soldier, right? I uh, yes, but the, the the point is, you're diluting my point. It says we're paying ten and a half million dollars to when we screw up the rights yeah we fucked up we broke the law exactly yes so there's these these movements of stripping people of rights you're now empowering criminals to sue the government how would that look nah. and then it'll just be omar kadir all over again for the all idiots. over again because but if and only if we can't prove that they were criminals in the first place judicial process through a judicial process um, okay. Okay. Well, so obviously I, it's a pretty short conversation then. <laughs> no, but I want to highlight a, a few other risks here. Uh, as we, we, we hear that people want to do things without a judicial process. I've been involved in, in some proceedings where, uh, someone's accused of something very extreme as I watch it through the legal system. Like who are we talking okay, about? So I'm, I'm trying to be generic here to protect the person's identity. And uh, okay. Okay. So, uh, this person he was accused of a violent crime of somebody um and when he was apprehended and appeared in court uh he appeared he spent several many many days in detention because no one wanted to be associated with the type of crimes he was accused of yeah you become radioactive pretty much so then the next step is 
the in in trying to protect the victims, they stripped him of his ability to access several medical services. And you say, well, that doesn't happen in prisons, but he had a special type, and it was funded a special way. So by stripping access to these uh, this particular area, he was no longer able to access the fundamental services in order to get help. Because he was denied that. He was denied that. And when I approached the uh, the policeman about this, who made the the plea to you know isolate him. Um, even further, they said, well, he's just going to have to reapply. So in the meantime, while he was trying to show the crown that he was a sane and go, and make uh, get treatment for his problems, he was denied the ability to access the treatment centers. To there. prove his case. Well, not say prove his case, well, but help himself. Yeah he, yeah, he was denied the ability to facilitate proving his case. Right. And yeah. when these things drag on for sometimes years... You start going, okay, well, if I strip the person of his medical services, how is he supposed to get better? And in fact, in a very stressful situation, like being accused of a serious crime, that's that wears on your psyche. Long story short, the person was proven innocent. Hmm. So if we... And he was completely fucked over. And, and despite that, he lost several thousands of dollars. He had to cope with the stigma of being accused of... Because no one ever reads acquitted at the bottom of these news statements no they, it just disappears because it doesn't make good news so some of these people they uh are, are scarred for life and they didn't do anything the current talk is to put a system in place where it could be taken away like that like that and we live through that i mentioned earlier mccarthyism it's called a witch hunt for a reason mm. okay because now you give the whatever political party or whoever's controlling the the sanction to start laying that on anybody. What's the barometer? So your your argument then is we got to judge these things on a case by case basis. I would say leave it to the judicial system. Yeah, to, to judge it, it on a case by case basis exactly. through due through due process. But here's my question for you and this is like really the heart of the issue because I think this is where the the politics really uses this platform to tug at the heartstrings of citizens and and i'm going to form it and i'm going to put it in the form of a question is why would somebody go and do something like that why would somebody go uh and leave a country like canada to go and engage in that those activities and then the second the follow-up to that is why would they want to come back after like clearly if you're going to go and engage in activities like that you have a fundamental disagreement with how we live and how we do things in Canada. I'm going to say you're nearsighted. Okay. It, and the reason why is that you need to shape this question. You're only seeing the people we consider terrorists are the ones that fought for the losing side of an argument or the side they feel that was extreme. And that we feel is extreme. Exactly. So w there are several documented uh of Canadian, several documented Canadians that went overseas and fought for the opposite side. Now they're fighting for their a non-sanctioned environment. That's technically a terrorist group in Syria. Mm. They're t considered terrorists too, but we don't talk about them. We're only talking about the ones that w that was on the one side. But technically, both sides are considered uh, terrorists. It all depends. But on it doesn't answer the question of why would they go and do something that like that how and how is it nearsighted of me to ask that question it's like we got it so good here why the fuck would you want to leave why would you want to go and engage in that shit and like when you're doing that 
you're adopting an ideology that has no business uh, interfering with Canadian values. Yeah, the, the go, to me, this goes in the same category of sexual tourism when you go to Asian countries and exploit young children. I mean, that ha- okay. That's a law too. Like, like go through, go, go through. Keep up with me here. Okay. So you're, you you're playing a what about game right now, there, whiskey. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not gonna be deceived by your what abouts. No, it's just that you're you're saying what identified what made these people go. Okay, well <clears throat> let, they have the freedom of movement. They have the freedom of choice. So they because we don't restrict anybody from going anywhere. That's part of our. That's part of what it is to be. They took their their charters of rights and freedom and made some choices with it. Were they right choices? They shot all over us. No, they just shoot all. They they made stupid choices that we don't agree with. So our our rights and freedoms supersede our values, but our values supplement our rights and freedoms. We can go in circles. Yes. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Sort of. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you're right, but he took their choice. His ability to choose and do freedoms, uh, ch- uh, to make choices is a freedom that he has. So, I mean, we don't penalize people that, that for example, Israel, I think Israel has conscription, which there's several countries with conscription. Yeah, Israel is one of them. So if, if you... Everybody has to join, men and women. So if you go and you randomly show up there and they stop you and go, yeah, you're conscripted, you have no choices in that. If... Israel is at war with a Canadian ally. Are we? Do you not have to be an Israeli citizen in order to be conscripted in the army? Yeah, but some people are dual citizens. Oh, okay. I, see, leave, I see what you're saying. Leave when yeah, you're yeah. a child. So no, but if I'm a Canadian citizen visiting Israel, I mean, you're visiting I, Israel. I can't be conscripted if I can. If prove. you have dual citizenship, you can. Well, if I have dual citizenship, but if I don't have dual citizenship, yeah. which I don't have. Exactly. I cannot be conscripted if I can prove that I'm not a citizen of Israel. So I attended a security conference and uh, they're talking about how there's security risk to people who travel that you could be, as you're traveling, if you're a former citizen, let's say you left when you were six and you come back and you arrive there in your age of, age of you're at the age where you can be conscripted and you can be put into service. If that country is that at war or declared or undeclared with a US, uh, a NATO ally, you know what? Guess what? You could be at war with Canada. Hmm. So now you're technically a terrorist. You're now opposing party. You arrive back <coughs> in Canada, Sorry. you've now committed war crimes against Canada. So there's, I think if you think through the different options that could be applied to this law, it's ludicrous. That's why it needs to be a judicial, proper judicial process. I think you've answered most of my questions. Uh-oh. Maybe you didn't answer all my questions. And I am going back a little bit. Um, the whole idea of charging foreign fighters under the criminal code and how difficult it is. I mean, I understand that you've got a, an inter- inter-ministry, ministerial task force out right now that's supposed to be dealing with that kind of stuff. And I just The fact that is, it's... The fact that it's being such a point of contention and it's being brought up by the opposition, I mean, ugh, just... It won't make you feel good. No, it doesn't make me feel good. And it, and it, quite frankly, it scares me. It preys on my fear. The judicial thing is the last resort because we have no other tools in a toolbox. But it needs to be fair and it needs to be transparent and everybody should, should be afforded the proper rights. So, so no, no, you, you touched on a point saying... They, and, and I did I felt I did answer it. 
if they are having difficulties, the government needs to step up and give them the resources in order to do the job. We yeah. shouldn't stand up other government sanctions to do the same tasks they're mandated to do. Because when you look at policy, it becomes a big, giant mess. I feel like it should be simpler. Yeah, we got to afford people certain rights and freedoms that are inalienable. But man, like, doesn't that make you mad? When somebody goes and shits all over our country by going and joining an organization and say they go out and kill Canadian citizens and they advertise it all over Facebook and they say, yeah, I killed this Canadian guy. And, and I, you know... So I think you need a government issue. I'm just mad. I'm mad at these fucking assholes who are afforded the opportunity to go ahead and do that shit. I think you need a government issued hug. No, no, maybe two. No, we're going to put you to a lot. Because it'll just put uh, it'll require me to fill up more fucking paperwork for them to give that to me. And I'll never get it. It'll have to wait like six years. Well, you might have to wear a body condom so you don't get transmitted. (laughs) No, it just it boils my blood knowing that there are people out there who are who are capable and are willing to do this kind of shit. And then, and that they, they should be afforded the opportunity to come back into our country. Like you made a decision, motherfucker. You make your bed, you fucking live in it. It's coming. They're still charging people with war crimes 60 years later. Okay. Ah, but the question is when they start thing, we want to put the children in care and identify them at high risk without due process. Let's, let's be clear. That is not an ideal scenario. One of the questions made on, on CPAC this morning was they want to they want to not only want to strip the the basic services from the individual, they want to flag their children for child and family services as children at risk. This is CPAC. Well, CPAC is the television station. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. This so is... on the uh, but if the Ontario legislature is is the pro uh, the Ontario government is the one looking at doing it and so they're looking at implementing another initiative that will not only put the like try these people but any of their kids and all that kind of stuff they'll be put in programs where they can you know they're looked after yeah without due process without due process so you have a province looking after international law which is a federal mandate so it's it's uh, amazing in how you want to look at it can you just go back over that point? This is the provincial government government that is doing this. They want to not only remove the rights of these individuals, but they want to strip their kids of uh, of certain privileges as well. Well, yeah, to be with their parents. They want to flag those children as at risk. I don't know if I I don't know if I have a problem with that because those kids are at risk because of the decisions of their bonehead parents. Without due making, process. Without due process. See, that's a problem now. Okay, so we have to charge them and try them, uh, and we got to convict them before we can take their kids away. No, as soon as they enter the, the, the legal process, you can start looking at it and keeping a file on the kids. So it's concurrent kids. I mean, one's not doesn't necessarily preclude the other, but what I'm saying is that you can automatically, without a judicial proper judicial process, you're entering in territories where the damages could be even higher. So if you're going to charge someone, make sure there's a whole barometer of evidence that needs to be there. I think you're too accustomed to, to defending our system when I'm seeing it as it could we could do better. Okay, you could just easily do better, but you don't have a degree in law. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the whole system is based on give and takes. Is it the best system in the, in the in the world, or as good as it could be? No, but there's 
is we went to the other uh, podcast. There's a whole layer of bureaucracy associated with this as well. And one of the aims of bureaucracy is to be fair and fair and documented and formalized and all these other things. I just want it to be on the record that you, I just want you to be mad with me for a second here that there are people out there who would want to pull this kind of shit. Like, doesn't that fucking bother you? Yes. Okay. It, it does bother me. But I also, I temper it with going, what are my options? I think we should choose the government issued hug and then. No, no, we should not choose the government issued hug, but. <laughs> I also don't agree with getting rid of their their inalienable rights and freedoms. I, I don't agree with that. Okay, so here's what we do. Listen, you fuckhead. You come back into the country, okay? So we've already flagged your passport, and you have to go through some process to even get back into the country, first and foremost. Once you get back here, we have every single fucking right and we have we reserve the right to question you on every single activity that you did when you were in that country cbsa has okay, that right so they do that okay good there we go including taking your cell phone you're in international territory so when you why hit CBSA. can't we why can't we just like give you a nice big fat fucking smacks like listen you dumb idiot what were you doing there and then we then we seek to that's, that's cor- that's, i hope it's a mystical slap beside the head because it that's corporal punishment we don't good. do it anymore it feels fucking good Yes. You got to be uh, able to smack people for being idiots. We by no means sanction violence on one another. Because if the worst thing that okay, the the best thing that happens to you as the offender is you're not found guilty. Right? And the worst thing that happened to you during that process was you got smacked because somebody said, "You dumb fucking idiot. You know it was bad over there. Why the fuck would you go there?" That's a lot of f-bombs. That's how mad this that's how mad I get about this stupid shit. I swear shit. you're totally due for two government <laughs> issued hugs. <laughs> <laughs> but like, come on, man. These now, obviously that's that's rhetoric that's coming from the opposition party about we're handing out hugs. We're handing out hugs to terrorists. Okay, no, we're not, but we, we can't be nice about this either. That whole Canadian attitude, uh, the perceived Canadian attitude of we got to be nice to everybody and we say sorry all the time. It's like, no, listen up, fuckhead. You engaged in activity or you are suspected of engaging in activity that is um, counter to Canadian uh, beliefs and Canadian values and Canadian rights. So we're going to fucking arrest you. We're going to we're going to try you and we'll see what happens. And if you're found not guilty, then okay. And you know but what? But if you are guilty, fuck you. Okay. Fucking so stop, stop. I'm going to eject you stop, into stop. space. Slow down. <laughs> so gear down, big rig. You have gear no down. business on this planet, never mind <laughs> this country. Like we don't we don't tolerate that shit here, man. And one of the detainees, I can't remember what country. I think it's in. He's in Turkey. He he's actually a Canadian citizen. He's been incarcerated. The embassy has not visited him. They're not trying to repat- repatriate the terrorists. It's not an active thing that the government is doing. However, when you talk to him, because now he's incarcerated, we have the chance. the The media has a chance to interview him. He the one particular one in question said, "I know, I did some." some things that were wrong i did, did a lot of things that was wrong and you can go through the whole sob story the point is he did something that was contrary to Canadian ethics and values and he says if i go back to canada i know i'll go to jail and i'm perfectly willing to accept that hmm. so a lot of these guys know it okay 
so and it's and it's some of them are criminal how to say criminal mentality they know they're deserving of some sort of punishment and it's coming so they can only escape for so long but it becomes still <laughs> a larger issue when you're when, when we have government services that are already set up to handle a particular thing and you're you're also for providing as much funding as they need in order to be able to carry out those duties those responsibilities you said the word duty okay yeah okay <laughs> Podcast. No, no. Just, <laughs> let's uh, let's honestly. It, it, it seems in the larger game of things, this we're we're detracting from other issues. If we already have a government, a government with a government system with the mandate to do it, fund them, equip them, and and hold them to account for the the progress of their of their tasks, and empower them to to do their mandates. Yeah, to do their mandate because the burden of proof is on the crown. You sound educated. No, I just I've been hanging out with you too long. This is I just get frustrated because you gotta you have I know. There's the barbaric part of my brain that wants to just completely emotionally react to this, and I think rightly so because some of the things that you see, like the, the fuck, the you see it on YouTube even, or you see it on the internet or whatever. And it's like some of the barbaric acts that these guys commit, and it's just like. There are people in these groups who are Canadian citizens and they want, it, it feels like they want to seek asylum back in Canada because, you know, we give a, it seems whoa, like we give whoa, a free whoa, ride. They're not seeking asylum. I know, I know, I know I'm using the wrong words, but it look that's what it looks like. They return from their little terrorist holiday. Yeah, their terrorist holiday. But it, that's what it seems, seems like. And that's how it has been worded by other people. And I agree. It doesn't mean it's correct. I know, I know. You're right. Um, but that's how it looks like, and that's why I want to emotionally react to it, and that's why a lot of people would probably want to do the same thing. And I agree, but look at the trade-offs, okay? And with this issue, I think in some ways we're detracting from other larger issues that are at play right now, and this is just the one that makes news. Um, so, yeah, I think we there's other issues that we could be tackling right now, but we're revisiting uh, an issue that we already have departments and, and funding for. Well, this is an old wound that's been open since Christ 9-11. Canadians Just, have gone overseas to do all kinds of crazy st- things that are not ethical. We have businesses that go around and pollute. We, we've done that. I mean, yeah. No, I'm talking about the political debate itself. Like just the idea of terrorism. Or anything like that. That's that's an old wound that just never has been sealed. Well, whenever you when people feel that they're unsafe in their own country, yeah, they will. But there are people in our country that feel unsafe in their own neighborhood. Yeah. So there's other policing issues. We're we're you're worried about 190. We there's uh, there's areas in Toronto where people don't go. Are you doing that what about thing again? No, no, I'm not just not what about. I'm saying is that when there's when you're worried about 190 people. So you're saying we should just focus on our own plate and, and No, <laughs> let the government agencies do what they're mandated to do, hold them to account for what they're supposed to do, and make sure they have the tools, and then look at other things that we have problems with. If you're our if our local police departments are underfunded and they need more vehicles and need more police, well you fund that. So what happens when a terrorist act happens in Canada, uh, if and when uh, it happens in Canada, um, and it's from one of these guys who just 
snuck through the cracks and uh and just was able to achieve mass destruction okay let, let me for the record you said what if yeah <laughs> i'm talking about a theoretical i'm not talking about what about i'm talking about what yes ifs. but the, the 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 best part of this i would say is he's already on a watch list he said one of the persons that's on the list commits an act of terrorism chances are okay. i would say he's already being watched he, the, the police are already doing their thing. And the it, ones you worry about are the ones that aren't on the list. The ones that aren't on the list. And if but, they're not on okay. the list, they're if, not going to be able to subject to any of the things you just talked about. You can't strip them of the rights because you don't know who he is. <laughs> but because because you want to take a law and rather than in, in, empower the police forces to do the things they're set up to do, we're going to create new what laws happens, and new legislation, legislation that doesn't support our human rights. What happens when the organization fails to prevent a serious situation coming about. Oh, you mean like the fire department that uh, we still have fires? Like, like, where do you want to go with it? Cri let's have a, a judicial department that doesn't prosecute criminals because it's meant to be a deterrent. No, what do we do about that department that fails in its task? <laughs> well, it fails in its task. Well, in the treasury guidelines, if you don't follow the policies that are outlined to them, they could be up to reorgan, could like be you, penalized you know up to reorganization and the funds withdrawn and transferred to somewhere else. So you're saying, what if it fails? No. Well, you know what? Nothing is 100% effective. There's always going to be a probability of something slipping through the cracks. But I, I would argue again, if we don't empower and fund our government services, they can't provide what they're supposed to provide. I'm talking. You know what I'm getting at? Absolutely not. Okay, so <laughs> I'm I'm using the fear mongering argument, and it's that even if we did empower them, even if we did provide them with the funding that they needed, and for some reason something slips through the cracks. You know what? There's, there's always a what if. There's always a what if, and the the most of the terror, successful terror attacks in Canada weren't per perpetuated by an organized anybody. They were lone wolf attacks. The most dangerous ones are the lone wolves because there's no precursor, there's no warning signs. They just go out and act. If you're looking at something that says, uh, "Well, he's a known guy. He's a network guy. Well, he's got a, a data trail behind him that people are picking up on and following." But the lone wolf attacks that none of this policy will even solve. It won't solve that. So problem. you're going to restrict. You're going to modify our basic Canadian identity by. Strip away the, the powers of judicial by arbitrarily assigning he's a terrorist. So we're going to start stripping rights. I'm not talking about arbitrarily just telling calling people out for being terrorists and not being able to prove it. I'm just talking about. Yeah, but there's always going to be a what if. There's always going to be a probability. But the most dangerous ones are the lone wolves. <laughs> and there's nothing we can do. I'd say there is something that we can do. We want to turn to a police state? No, 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 no. Because we are not Americans. Uh, no, that was a bad joke. Sorry, guys. Um, uh, no, I don't think. Uh, I think there is a. I think there is a thing that we can do as citizens, and it's just going back to basic community values. Oh, okay, I agree. If there's suspicious behavior, report it. Yeah, always be a good citizen. I'm all for that. Don't turn your Don't turn your head down. Don't pull out your fucking phone to start recording it, unless you intend to use that to report it. But like the first thing you should be doing if you see any kind of suspicious activity like that is you well, first of all in your day-to-day -day life just talk to your neighbors talk to people in your community and just you know 
help each other out. That's but right. when you see shit happening and going down, or if there's a potential for shit to go down, just fuck, talk to the police. That's what they're there for. Help a brother out. Yeah. Or a sister. <laughs> yeah. So help, you know, help each other out. That's the main thing. And, and, and like I said, being good people makes this a lot harder for other people to come in and take our, our values away. And, and I would argue that a lot of these people that are becoming terrorists, the 190 that are on the list, um, they left because they didn't have the sense of community that they, where they're from. They felt a stronger pull to go and do something that that was, was bigger than radical, them and more and radical. It, yeah. And they felt more invited to go and do these things. So Even though it's it's a poisonous ideology that gets them to do that kind of but stuff. But it gives them that sense of belonging. So by talking to your neighbor, I would argue that's probably the best thing to come out of this podcast. If you want to prevent terrorism, talk to your neighbor. Be nice to your neighbor. Yep. Take out their trash from time to time. No, no. Shovel their driveway in the snow time. Well, I do that for my old lady neighbor, but, you know, come on. <laughs> Survive World War II. <laughs> All right. I think it's a good. Uh, that's a good point to end it there. So I'm Whiskey. I'm Rock.